Welcome to the At the Castle Bible Teaching Podcast. Our goal is to dive deep into the Word of God and uncover its timeless truths and teachings. At the Castle, we believe that the Bible is the inspired and infallible Word of God, and we seek to understand and apply it to our lives. During ATC Winter Weekend 2022 we were joined by Andrew Sack, who helped us to explore the Gospel of Mark. For more information about At the Castle, please check out our website, www.atthecastle.org.uk or find us via our social media. We hope that through this podcast, you'll grow in your knowledge and love of God's Word and be equipped to live out your faith more fully. So in Mark's Gospel, and we can begin at verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. with you in this evening, so if only a bit sleepy after the day, please energize us. Please give us ears to hear. Help us to pay close attention to your word. Please speak to us about the King, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it's written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. You will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptised with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the Gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Well, what I want to do this weekend is a sort of mixture of preaching and Bible study. So I'm going to be trying to apply God's word to us, and and we're going to hear it, I hope, challenge us quite profoundly at various points. I also kind of want to show you how I get there. So it's going to be like us studying the passage together, and I'm going to show you some of the ways that. um, I kind of reach my conclusions about it. And the reason for that is I, I hope that some of our Bible reading this weekend will be transferable to the rest of your Bible reading for the rest of your life. So and one of the reasons for the Dig Deeper books that um, me and French have written is that we wanted to try and demystify what the preacher does at the front so that it's something that, to some extent, every Christian has the chance to do. So rather than you thinking, oh wow, I, I never would have got that much out of this passage, I suppose you have to go to Bible college to be able to do that. 
And what that sort of say, oh yeah, well, obviously, that's what it says. Because I've got some of those um, skills myself. So I'm hoping to sort of share with you the process as well as the conclusions of the process. Now, the first thing I would do, if I were to come to a passage like this thinking I've got to preach this at the castle, what am I going to do? Let's say uh, I start two weeks ago in my preparation. And um, that's just lovely, as, you, as you've heard some years ago, doing my sort of um, five times a year. But um, let's say it was two weeks ago. What would I do? Would I think, well, I, I don't really know the passage that well yet. Um, I better just read it again. Let's read it again. Uh, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt round his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes him who is mightier than I, the strap of whose saddle I am not worthy to see the heaven untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness, forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now you might be thinking, okay, look, why did you read it twice? Well, you heard it the first time. But here's the thing, you heard it the first time, but you missed loads of things he said. So did I. And one of the things we've got to do when we come to the Bible is just to try to notice more of what's on the page. And one of the ways of noticing it is just keep coming back to the same passage again and again. If I was doing this in a fortnight's time, or starting two weeks ago, I would try to read the passage once a day for those 14 days. Not trying to do a massive crack or preach it tomorrow when it's starting until midnight. But a sort of slow burn, get to know the Bible, have it mulling over, take, take the words around with me during my day. So it's kind of like John was wearing, um, eating locusts and wild honey. Have you, ever, have you ever had locusts? <laughs> we ordered them just for novelty fun. You can actually get destroyed locusts delivered to you. And I also bought some actually for this weekend because it made the car sort of memorable. But they, you know, they're crunchy and not entirely unpleasant, but frankly, I wouldn't switch to them as my main diet. But well, what's he doing eating locusts and wild honey? And why does John mention so much of the time? Why does Mark mention so much of the time? The, the wilderness. Did you notice that? A voice crying in the wilderness. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness. The Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days. I get it. I get it. Mark. You know they're in the wilderness, but he didn't say four times. Did you notice it was four times? Maybe not the first time you read it, but the fourteenth time you read it, you start to notice things like that. You know, one of the best ways to understand the Bible better is just to read it more. That's obvious, but it really is true. And when I was at seminary um, some years ago, we had a course on the book of Revelation, which is you know, harder to understand than Mark's gospel. 
And the exam in the Revelation course, it wasn't, um, you know, what is this particular premillennial school of interpretation, or can you ex explain the, um, you know, the, the historicist view of it? It wasn't that kind of question. It was, what happened when the second trumpet is sounded? Um, uh, name the three references to locusts in the book of Revelation, etc. Now, you went to the Bible, the only way that you could prepare for the exam was just to know the book of Revelation really well. And the only way that you can know the book of Revelation really well is just to read it every week. So we just read Revelation once a week for the whole term. But the really cool thing about it was that the byproduct of reading it lots of times was that you started to understand it. Like, even without particularly trying to set about understanding, you started to see connections and it, it sort of melts over your mind and you take it around with you. And I would suggest that is the way to understand any chapter of the Bible. It's a shame, isn't it, that mostly we only read passages of the Bible once. So here's my suggestion. If you're um, if you're doing a Bible study at your church, midweek, <coughs> why not read the passage on Tuesday in your own personal devotional time? And then again on a Wednesday with the rest of your small group. And then read the passage again on a Thursday and while they've written into it. Why not read it three times rather than just one time? Why not read the passage that's going to be preached on Sunday, on Saturday, and yourself, and think about it, and then you hear it again on, um, on Sunday? And the more times you do it, the more familiar you'll get with it, the more you'll understand it. Now, what I do at church is a bit mean, but I set um, our Bible study leaders a test. So, how well do you actually know Mark's Gospel? And I thought I'd set you the test. I've got two questions. And you can do it in pairs. Um, actually, the first one will just be shout out, and then the second one will be in pairs. First question What three colours are mentioned in the Gospel of Mark? Okay, it's not a theological question, it's just a do you know what it says question. You read it a lot of times, you would know. And you want, rather than giving all three, you want to give one colour. And don't just name a colour, like things with colour that might have a reason to be in Mark's Gospel. White. What's white in Mark's gospel? At the transfiguration, Jesus raised a bleach whiter than anyone on earth could bleach. It's a very theologically significant colour because it's like they've got a glimpse of Jesus as he is in his heavenly glory. And you can imagine that as a washing pad there, don't you? Yeah. Heavenly white. Which is your word, heavenly white. But and Mark means it not just metaphorically, but actually. Not a colour of white that you can get on earth. But a glimpse of Jesus is glory. Yeah, there's one other place that things are white in, in Mark's Gospel. Transfiguration and. Uh, not in Mark. Two. Two people are wearing white clothes, making an important announcement. Angels at. The tomb. At the tomb, exactly. Isn't it interesting that the. The angels at the tomb announcing the resurrection show up in the same colour outfits as at the Transfiguration. It's not an accident, that, that's the point. And what they saw up the mountain was a, a preview of Jesus' heavenly glory. And then at the resurrection, they see announcement announces from heaven. Okay, white sort of colour, yeah, another colour. Green. Green, there is green. You know where? Like and what is green? Brown. 
the grass is green, which is, um, you might think there's a lot of random detail, and um, it's quite interesting because the grass isn't usually green, because it happens up in the, um, out of the wilderness, and it's pretty dry in the wilderness, except it does rain at a particular time of year uh, that matches the Passover. Why it rained, I think, got a bit lush, a bit Irish, just for a short period. <laughs> yeah, okay, um, white, green, one other. Purple? Purple. The soldiers put a purple robe? Unless you want purple rain, because that's the colour of royalty. And they're making an enormous joke. That's, that's <laughs> nothing a royal robe, like some kind of king he is. Ha ha ha. Okay, so that's pretty good. You've got the three colours. Now, that's, that was entry level. Okay, the next question is harder. In pairs, hopefully when you've got a bit of paper, I want you to make a list of all of the animals in Moss Hospital. And we're doing negative markings. So if you get an animal that is not in Moss Hospital, it's minus two points. <laughs> it's plus one point for every animal that is in Moss Hospital. And I have the definitive list. So. <laughs> Animals is any member of the animal kingdom as opposed to as an animal ritual festival. There's 14 
Okay, let's let's be back. So put your hand up if you've got an animal and I'll tell you whether you get one point or minus two points. <laughs> yes, okay, so that. A donkey? Um, a donkey, yeah, a colt, the foal of a donkey, yeah, yeah, donkey. Yeah, good. Jesus Christ has introduced them on a donkey. Dogs. Context? It's not right to take the children's body for the dogs. Yes, Lord, says the Cyber Division 1. But even the dogs on the table, the children's crumbs. Yeah, dogs. Pigs. Oink. Slosh. Camel. Anyone tell me where camels come? We just read it. John's favourite outfit is made from camels hair. Oh. Yeah. And no, so and on camels, sorry. It's easier for a camel to pass through the The camel's mentioned twice, yeah. Um, locusts, yeah, you've got quite a lot just in this passage, isn't it? So it's the low hanging fruit. Um, yeah, he used locusts, yeah, that counts. Dogs. Dove, yes, the Holy Spirit came up with that also in this passage. Yeah, very good. Generic wild animals. <laughs> you, get, you get a point for that. Fish? Fish? Fish in, in the context? Yeah, feeding of the. Like, 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 <laughs> um, yeah, just get one point for the fish. We've never mentioned it twice. Pigeons. Yes. Pit context. In the temple, when Jesus drives out those who are selling pigeons. Yeah. Birds. Birds of the air that eat the grain that fell on the path. And that perch in the branches of the mustard seed tree. Rooster. 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 A rooster. A rooster. Yeah. He crows um, before the rooster crows twice. He's done three times. So sheep. Lamb. Sheep and a lamb. You have both of those. Adult sheep. I reckon the sheep where? Uh, in the first garden, where like Jesus was shepherd. Jesus shepherd. Yeah, and. That's a lamb. Yeah. Yep. And um, strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. And says Jesus to them, and you get. If you have a go at the shepherd, and that is what happens to all the disciples, clear they run. Yep. Doing really well. Everyone misses out the same one, but keep going. Oops. Uh, no, no goats, minus two points. Let's go the pen. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, 
So you may want to answer this one pretty well, which is, which is great. Okay, so familiarity really helps. And what you're going to do is you come into a passage of the Bible, just read it. I would, I'd really like to read one again. I think you'll just find it annoying if I didn't read that. So I will. <laughs> the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. He will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and the country of all the country of Judea and Jerusalem. All the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair, wore a leather belt around his waist, he ate locusts and wild honey, and he preached, saying, After me comes him who is mightier than I. Strangers and sandals are not worthy to speak down the last high. I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals there. The angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Here is the introduction to the good news of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. One um, more thing before we dive into these verses. Let's see if we can do the shape of the whole of Mark's Gospel. Here is all of Mark's Gospel. We start from chapter 1, verse 1. It finishes in chapter 16, verse 8. And this little extra bit was added later in the part of your Margaret, I think, because it's not there in the early manuscript. So Mark, the reason people like, think this should be a long running is because it ends so strangely. You might have to start to think about that later. It ends very abruptly with everyone running away because they're so scared of the resurrection. <coughs> But that, that is the ending. This is an unusual one. So, 1168. If we had to divide it in two, where would you divide it in two? Peter proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah. Yeah, Peter plus 829. You are the Christ. Why do you think that's the halfway point? Two halves of Mark's Gospel are who is Jesus? 
where did Jesus come? Um, kind, kind of they are, and again, this is it's a good rule of thumb, but there's lots of statements about why Jesus came in the first part of the Gospel. Not the healthy, he be the doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to bring work with the sinners. Chapter 2. So there's some why Jesus came bits in the first half. And there are some who, who are Jesus bits in the second half. If he's on trial, are you the Christ, the Son of the Living God? So um, it's a kind of rule of thumb, but it's not exactly right. Um, uh, the reason we know that, I think this is a halfway point, is because right at the beginning of the Gospel, Mark says, Jesus is the Christ. Son of God. And halfway through the gospel, we find out that Jesus is the Son of God, he is the Christ. And then right at the end of the gospel, the 15 verse 40, somewhere like around that, somebody says, You are, or this is, this is. Oh God, anyone remember who said that? Centurion. Centurion, exactly. And so, um, actually the whole Gospel is arranged, says Mark in his introduction, around these two titles. This is who he is. But it takes everybody else in the narrative, the rest of the Gospel, to figure it out. So what's going on in the, in the very start is, like, we're getting a sneak preview into the answer, a long way ahead of the actual people in the in the narrative. Uh, we, we know who Jesus is ages and ages before Peter knows it. And that's why you get, to be honest, you get a bit impatient with it. Like, come on. But when they're, you know, they're on the boat and there's a storm and Jesus sort of calms it, and they go, who is this? And they go, obviously he's God, he's not worked it out yet. And they go, oh, who could this be? That you think, how can they be so slow? They spend all this time with Jesus and they still don't figure out he is the king. And then the centurion, it takes Jesus' death itself for the centurion to figure out this is the Son of God. And, but Mark tells us that right at the front. It's like the, the, the opening verses are like a kind of sneak preview of the answer. So we're ahead of everyone else. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the, the TV program from the 1980s, Colombo. No one ever seen that. <laughs> I can tell he's approximating to my generation by he was. Who has seen Columbo? Okay, not about third of us. Um, for those of you who haven't seen this fantastic, low budget American TV show, um, you used to watch this on sick days at school. Um, you know, when you were um, too ill to go to school, but not too ill to watch TV. <laughs> and um, what happened in Columbo, like every episode is, is the same. So there's a murder. And you watch the murder at the start of the episode, and then it takes Columbo the rest of the entire episode to work it out. So you you already know what he doesn't yet know. And that is what Power Mars Gospel works. We know from the very start that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God. And that is what the whole book is going to be about. So, so it's a kind of preview. And actually, I'm not sure it in a very careful way because there's there's other things that are kind of that pair these three moments in Mark's Gospel. Chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 8, verse 29, chapter 50, verse 40. So we've already mentioned that this one and this one are connected by white things. White clays of the transfiguration, white clays of the resurrection. That's a pair. 
And then you find out that this one and this one are paired by, anyone know? Announcements from God. He says here, you are my son. You are my beloved son. He says halfway through the gospel, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So that's a pair. And then um, the first one and the last one are paired by tearing things. What's torn at the end of the gospel? The curtain is torn. What's torn at the beginning of the gospel? Now, I just, the reason I put this down to you is just for you to see just how <coughs> super, super careful Mark is. He, Mark could just say the heavens were opened, but that's what Luke says. It is a parting of the clouds, and the sun swept on down, and God said, This is my son. Mark could just say the heavens were opened, but instead he says that the heavens were torn open. Didn't have to be said that way. He's deliberately using the same word as the, as the temple curtain is torn in because he's saying it's not just there was a sort of movement in the clouds. He's saying this is a moment where the connection between heaven and earth opens up. In fact, I think he's got in mind Isaiah. And Isaiah's great cry, O oh Lord, if only you would. I think it's a verse. And you would rent the heaven, and you would tear the heavens and come down. It's a kind of longing for this intervention from heaven to earth that would save us. You know, look, we're in a mess down here. We're in exile down here. We, we need a, a rescue. If only you would stop being so far away up in heaven and tear, rend in the King James Bible, but the same word, tear the heavens. Come down and Mark says, Yeah, that's what's happening at the beginning of this gospel. God is telling me The reason I say this is I want you to start to see that this is, he's been quite careful. You might think, What's the point of reading something three times? Every word really matters here. Um, not just the heavens are open, the heavens were torn open. White graves twice, and they link and then so on and so on. Okay, well, let's, let's dive in. Um, it looks like a lot of quite random things, doesn't it? There's a lot of different stuff going on here. So um, you've got the title, beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's this first verse. And then you've got some um, prophecy stuff. So that's kind of like, um, <coughs> Isaiah the prophet. Although, actually, it's from Isaiah the prophet and Malachi the prophet. It's a bit weird that Mark calls it Isaiah the prophet. He must have a reason for that, by the way. Because everyone who reads it knows it's like that, and that he calls it Isaiah. I mean, I guess Isaiah is the prophet he particularly wants to underline for some reason. We'll come to what that might be later. And then you've got a bit of prophecy, and then you've got a bit about John the Baptist, the John the Baptist bit, which is I'm not worthy, and I eat weird stuff, and I hang out in weird clothes. Okay, that's interesting. That's John the Baptist. And then you've got Jesus' baptism. Um, and God shouting from heaven, rending the heavens and coming down. And then you've got a bit about Jesus being tempted by wild animals here. And then you finally got Jesus, um, I'm running out of colours now, and you've got Jesus 
and that's impossible. It looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, totally different things. Now, it's not six different things, because one of the ways that Mark's Gospel works is he makes the point by what he collects together and what he puts next to other things. In, in other Gospels, like in Matthew, Matthew often just tells you the point. He says things like, this was to fulfill uh, what the prophets had said, or Jesus did this because the Pharisees were there. Mark just usually doesn't ever explain. He just collects the same point together as soon as you get it, just by in this case, here's the point. Here's the thing that keeps them all together. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. What, what does that name mean, Jesus Christ? And it doesn't mean that Mr. and Mrs. Christ had a son called his name Jesus. It's not his surname. And Christ is, the, as you know, his title means the Messiah, Jesus, the Anointed, Jesus, the King. And the Son of God actually also means the King. It's great to have that reading from Psalm 2. And the term Son of God in the Bible means a variety of things, but it was particularly a title given to the King. So Psalm 2 says, God says, of his King, and I'm your Father. Today I have begotten you. Today you become my Son. Uh, the King gets the title of being a son of God, says Psalm Jesus. So, yeah, the beginning of Jesus the Christ, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus the Son of God, is really saying that Jesus is a king. And then um, at the end of the, this passage, Jesus himself shows up and he says, The time is fulfilled and the, the kingdom of God is at hand because you get a kingdom when there's a king. Uh, it's really just saying Jesus is a king. You might think, I already know that. Okay, but I say what? This is the big news that's going to take everyone else in the gospel at the entire story to get Jesus the King. It takes Peter to halfway, it takes the centurion to the end. <laughs> Jesus the King. Why do I need to know that? And, and it basically depends on what you think of monarchies, I suppose. Um, I don't know what you think of the British monarchy, or what your Irish politics are. Um, and I don't know whether you think it's sort of a significant thing or just a sort of figurehead thing. I mean, King Charles III is he's not actually in charge of very much, is he? In a, in a sort of constitutional way, he is. But um, King um, in the Old Testament, he's a bit more like the, the tribal chief in Black Panther. Has anyone seen Black Panther? Um, it's really good. Um, and it's basically just the idea of, of a tribal chief in Black Panther is much more like a, a biblical king. Um, because the tribal chief, he basically makes the laws of the country. So he's like the king and the judiciary and the prime minister. And he's the head of the religious life of the country. It's like the Archbishop of Canterbury or the Pope or the moderator or you know, whatever. Hmm. Um, it's like the sort of the head of, of everything, the moral, spiritual, judicial life of the whole country. He's the ruler of everything, like not just in a figurehead way back actually. And the king of the whole universe, said Mark from this point onwards, is Jesus. And he's going to prove it and show us what they feel it is. 
She starts with a prophecy in, in Isaiah and, and Malachi, a prophecy actually that is kind of about the king, but actually the prophecy is more about John the Baptist. Did you notice that? So, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I'm going to send a messenger, I'm going to send a voice, and, and then the king will come. Now this tells you about something important, because I, I know that this happens often in Belfast, but you can, in London, you can tell if something important is coming, because you get the police motorbikes first. So you get, you know, with the flashing lights, the outriders. And you see one outrider moves past, and another outrider moves past, and then it's a limousine and it's, um, say, Biden or something, making a statement, or someone important, I guess you get a sense of. Once you see the outrider, then you know that the person behind is going to be a big deal. And so the first bit of the gospel is actually about the outrider, and about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is predicted in Isaiah and in Malachi. And, and then and there's these promises that says, before God comes, the messenger will come. Before the Lord comes, the voice will come. And then um, Mark just wants to prove to us that John the Baptist is that prophesied outrider. So let's just think, what, what do we know about, um, about the outrider from, from these verses? Okay, so he's got to be a, a voice. He's got to be a messenger. He's got to speak. And John the Baptist speaks. In fact, Mark really emphasizes that, because you might think that the main thing that John the Baptist does is baptizes, right? That's, that's his name. That's what we call him, John the Baptizer. But Mark doesn't call him John the Baptizer. He says John the Baptizer and the proclaimer of baptism. You see that? John appeared baptizing and proclaiming. That's quite a weird way of talking about baptizing. What are you doing this Sunday, Andrew? Oh, I'm proclaiming a baptism. Mm, okay, are you doing that? Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm also proclaiming it. Right? It's a weird way to talk about baptism, except that the monk is saying, no, he's proclaiming a baptism because he's the messenger. He's the voice, first thing. Um, the second thing that, um, that he's got to do, he's got to do it in the wilderness. The voice crying in the wilderness, and so sure enough, John appears and he's in the wilderness proclaiming. So he's a voice in the wilderness. That that matches so far. And he's got to tell you about someone who's coming later because he's got to prepare your way and prepare the way of the Lord. And sure enough, he says, Well, after me comes, he's preparing for something. So John the Baptist looks like quite a good fit so far for um, the voice. And then um, a little extra weird detail, why does he wear weird clothes? And why does he wear camel's hair and a leather belt? Well, it's because that's quite a famous outfit in the Old Testament. And like if I um, were to come in today wearing a blue leotard with my underpants on the outside and a red and yellow letter S on my chest, you'd be like, why are you wearing a Superman outfit? Because it's like a university recognised school costume. And when John turns up and he, he get, comes wearing a leather uh, a leather belt and a camel's hair outfit, they're going, Why are you wearing the Elijah costume? And that it's just it's the signature outfit of Elijah to wear a, a, a camel's hair coat and garment and a leather belt. And it's it's like he'd gone to the local costume hire 
And and John says, hangs out the whole time dressed as Elijah. Why is he dressed as Elijah? Well, because Elijah, according to the prophet Malachi, is the name of the guy who's going to prepare the way for the Lord. And the very last verses of the Old Testament, actually, I'll send my prophet Elijah before the great day of the Lord comes. So John the Baptist says, well, I better dress up for the part. I am the outrider. Disaster becomes what leads out. The king. I don't know how well prepared you are for Jehovah's Witnesses and when they come to your door, because um, you get the verses about Jesus being God and they don't think Jesus is God, right? So you get something like uh, John 20, verse 30, and my Lord and my God says that from Thomas. You know, that's a pretty good verse. And then, um, or you go John, John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with the word was with God, and the word was God. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. And you, anyway, you show that to host with that, and they go, "Oh no, it doesn't say that in my Bible." And they look in their special translation, the New World Translation. And it turns out they've changed it, so it doesn't say that Jesus is God. They they changed the Bible to take out the Sunday. But what you've got to do is just be a bit more prepared. They haven't got. They're not ready for this one. Uh, you turn to Isaiah. Um, who is the one before whose face the messenger will prepare the way? Um, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord in capitals, Yahweh, Jehovah. Prepare the way for Jehovah. Um, making the desert a highway for our God. Not just any old king, not just the king of England or the king of Belgium or the places the other kings, the king of Thailand, it's not just that kind of king, it's the godly king. And once you've done an identity on John the Baptist, then you can work out who Jesus is going to be. God is God. So you might say, Jesus is the king, John the Baptist, Jesus is the king, the voice in the wilderness, prepares for him. And then Jesus gets baptised, and it, this is uh, really proves that Jesus is the guy that John the Baptist was predicting, because John the Baptist said the, the one who's coming will baptise you with the Holy Spirit, and then the very next thing that happens is Jesus receives the Holy Spirit visibly. The Holy Spirit is a spirit, so it doesn't have a body, it's invisible, but he decides to make himself look like a bird just so that everyone can notice. Oh, the Holy Spirit is coming on this guy. This must be the guy he can baptize with the Holy Spirit because he's received the Holy Spirit himself. And then God himself shouts from heaven, You are my beloved Son. Jesus the King, a voice from heaven shouts it. Verse 12 and 13 immediately he was driven out into the wilderness. And he's in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, who's with wild animals, and angels serve him. This is supernatural activity of an unusual kind. I'm sure the devil's always at work. But for the devil to show up in person then for 40 days in a sustained attack, Gerald's on. That doesn't happen very often in the Bible. Okay, sustained spiritual position. 
and angels um, serving you. I mean, it happens sometimes, you know, angels sharpen Elijah and facing the other but not very often. But a monk in the wilderness with the devil and with angels, this is kind of rare, right? This is that the heavenly powers recognize it. Jesus the King. And then after John was arrested, Jesus comes into Galilee and proclaims the gospel of God and says, The time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. Don't be a crown of all this, that's why it doesn't work. Jesus himself and that. See, it kind of all goes together. There's lots of different angles on it, but it's all the same message. The ancient prophecies say, Yeah, why it comes before the king. The voice from heaven says, This is my son, the king. I love it. And angels and demons recognize this is the king. This is showdown time. And the spiritual powers are stirred up. Jesus himself announces it. I am the king. He's the king. You can. And Bible wants us to be really, really sure of what it's going to take everyone ages to find out. And here's, here's the amazing thing about it, that they don't even realize Here's Jesus turning up in his hometown. And they go, where did this guy get these powers? Didn't you know he's a king? Guys, <laughs> there's a lot of promised king, the one that God himself is. No, they don't know that. They're ignorant of that. They didn't realize that. The disciples are really bewildered. You know, Jesus walks on water. They're terrified. What is going on? Oh, he's the king. They didn't know that. And I was... Um, Talking at a carol service last night about that song, but I can't even remember the woman's name now, Jane Armstrong, um, in 1995, before somebody was born, but I was 20 years old. And um, uh, what if God were one of us? What if God were one of us? Just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus waiting to go home. And it was really catchy, and it got to number six in the UK. One of the Grammys for the best song of the year and so on. Um, but it is a thought, isn't it? What if God, and of course Jesus was a slob, but he wasn't on a bus because he's had buses, but he was a stranger in a boat, and he was a carpenter in town, and he was a man in the crowd, but he was God. And like, we are given that little glimpse into who he really is. And then for the next Years and walks around and we don't really get it quite. Don't really know yet. It can take a while, but then he's forgot. Jesus is the king. The, the divine king, the Yahweh king, the, the one that the prophet said would prepare for. The one that Isaiah had cried out for. Lord, if only you would tear the heavens and come down. And so very briefly, and this is going to be my final thing. Why does the king need to come? I mean, we've all got answers to this now as Christians, but what's Mark's answer to why is he coming? And I think the clue is the wilderness. I mean, Mark goes on about this quite a lot in this place. Like the, I'll send my messenger before your face, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming your baptism and repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
the Spirit immediately drove Jesus into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days. Now, to get what this means, you've got to pay attention to what Isaiah was all about. I think that's why he heads it with this. It's in Malachi, part of the great book. I want you to take some of this on Isaiah, the prophet. Because Isaiah was writing just before the exile, when God's people were going to be kicked out from his land, just like Adam and Eve got kicked out from the Garden of Eden. Exiled, evicted, because they disobeyed God. They could no longer be friends with God, they could no longer be in the presence of God. They were banished. So it's like Adam and Eve, Eve banished from Eden. So Israel banished from the land of Nebuchadnezzar. Banished to where? Not to Babylon. But to the wilderness, where they were loads from him. Outside the land, outside the blessings. And so it's quite significant that that's where the voice is promised. A voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. It's not that you've got to find your own way to go to God. It's that he's going to find his way to come to you. Make a highway in the wilderness for our God. You know, build a massive motorway out into the nowhere. Because God's rolling out his red carpet there in the exile place. And so that makes sense of why John baptises in the wilderness. What's his baptism about? It's about repentance and the forgiveness of sins. God, we got kicked out of your presence. We've come to be forgiven, to acknowledge our sins, that you might let us back. And so when Jesus shows up as the king, he doesn't go to the palace, doesn't go to the temple even, to Jerusalem. He goes to the wilderness, to the gutter, the place of the rejects, the place where people are banished to. Here is the king who's come. But he's not waiting for us to come to God. He's coming to us where we are in the mess, in the place of exile, to bring rescue. That's what Isaiah wanted. Lord, if only you would rend the heavens and come down. We we need, Lord, you're far away, we need you down here because we're in a mess. And so Jesus, God does read the heavens, tears the heavens open, and says, This is my beloved son, the one who's come to bring rescue in the wilderness. Now, I think you know these things. I mean, they're not truths that Christians don't understand. Jesus the King, everyone that here knows this. Jesus Christ is his name, his title. Jesus the Saviour, I mean, I don't consider he can say that. But Mark wants to kind of write these things in quite large Old Testament prophecies, angels, demons, God himself shouting from heaven, Jesus himself announcing. Because this is going to be what this gospel is all about, the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the King, the Son of God. Thank you for joining us for another episode of At the Castle. We hope that this teaching has helped you to better understand and apply the Word of God in your life. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family. We pray that the teachings of At the Castle will continue to help you grow in your knowledge of God's Word and personal discipleship. For more information about At the Castle, 
please visit our website, www.atthecastle.org.uk Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.